This is our second to the last message in this teaching series on the armor of God. And our theme for this whole message series has been the fact that God fights for us. And I am so encouraged as I've been doing this study and teaching you week to week that we don't fight alone, but we've got a spiritual uh, uh, helper. The Lord is fighting with us, and we've, we've unpacked that quite a bit through this series. But we've been talking about all the different pieces of armor that are listed in Ephesians chapter 6, and up until now, everything has been defensive. But today we're going to turn a corner and we're going to talk about our first offensive weapon, spiritual weapon, and that's the sword of the spirit. And so it's going to be a real eye-opening message. I think you're going to enjoy it today and I hope that you'll be empowered to go out and fight the battle this week. And uh, just before we break, let me give you a question. I'd like you to find somebody, have a little short conversation with somebody, maybe somebody you don't know or maybe somebody that you're sitting with, and ask them this question. What makes you really, really, really angry? All right? Everybody goes, I heard that. It was like a low-end rumble in the room. What makes you really, really, really angry? So find somebody to have a conversation with about that, and we'll get started in about seven minutes. All right, a brand new song by David Crowder, Run, Devil, Run. And uh, we thought that that was perfect for today because we're going to talk about exactly what is going to make the devil going to run. So uh, pretty cool. Uh, Had some interesting conversations with people about what makes them really, really mad. Uh, Josiah walked up to me back there and he said, it makes me mad when people don't clap. So just, you know, just be forewarned there. That, Josiah, I'm okay if you don't clap. I, I suppose I get mad if you don't laugh at my stupid jokes, but uh, that's a, yeah, thank you. <clears throat> Had somebody in first service that said to me, what makes me really, really mad is when I make mistakes. And I said, wow, you get mad at yourself? She said, yeah, usually it's me. And uh, I think probably most of us have something that triggers it, right? And uh, here, here's a video that'll make you think a little bit. Take a look. Several weeks ago, Andy Bernard had an incident. But after five weeks in anger management, I'm back. And I've got a new attitude and a new name and a bunch of new techniques for dealing with the grumpies. And your stupid face and your stupid office. He does not like that wall. <laughs> Have you ever been so angry that you wanted to punch a wall? Don't raise your hands. I don't want to know. Uh, but I think probably most of us can probably relate to that emotion, that rage that surges up. And you might want to rage with your fist. You might want to rage with your words. You might want to rage with your emotions. Something. But we just have something inside of us, doesn't it, that, that wants to rage from time to time. And some of us probably rage more than others. Uh, when I started studying this, the first, the first story that came to my mind was uh, when I was in my mid-20s and I had this aha moment one day about my dad. I was living in Seattle at the time and I was hanging out with some friends one afternoon and for some reason I got on the phone with my dad and I don't remember what we were talking about but I remember it was like many conversations with my dad. Uh, In those days, my dad could just turn my rage on just like a trigger, just turn a switch and my blood would boil. 
And I was on the phone with my dad and these people were listening to this conversation and I, I just all of a sudden spewed all of this venom towards my dad and I hung up the phone and I got off the phone and my friend Cheryl looked at me and she said, wow, you must really hate your dad. And it was, like, it was like looking in the mirror when you've got a big zit on your nose and you didn't know that it was there, right? I didn't know that I hated my dad, but I just had this rage that was bubbling out of me so severely that, uh, that everybody else could see that I hated my dad. And I, I don't know if you can relate to that story at all, but I think most of us from time to time experience that overwhelming sense of rage towards something or somebody. It, it might be that temptation to rage against your dad, like me. Or it might be a temptation to rage against your girlfriend or your wife or even your kids. Uh, some people, and you might be one of them, the rage really is self-focused. And you find yourself doing all kinds of things that are self-destructive because the rage goes internally and it goes at you. But here's the question that I want to ask this morning. If you're a Christian, how do you process that rage? If you're a Christian, what do you do when the rage just bubbles out? What are you supposed to do? And if that's a question that you're wrestling with today, I'm glad that you're here because I think today's message is really going to help answer that question. And, and it, might, it might really surprise you where we're going to go today. We've been camping out for the last seven weeks in Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to start there again today. And we're going to back up to some verses that we started with at the very beginning of this message series in verse 12. And this is what we read in Ephesians 6, 12. I see several people jumping up to get note cards, and I didn't mention that earlier. You're welcome to grab some up here, and there's some back there at the Welcome Center too if you want to take notes today. Here's what we read in Ephesians 6, 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And this verse answers a very important question, which is this, where should our rage be directed? Should our rage be directed at people? No, because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But our rage should be directed towards our spiritual enemy, the devil. And I think a lot of us really forget that. It's easy to forget that when your wife ticks you off or when, when your boss gives you a ding on your, on your uh, file or, or whatever it is. It's easy to get our f- focus on people and forget that the enemy is our spiritual enemy. The devil is our spiritual enemy. I got a little tongue-tied there. If we keep reading here in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul tells us to take up the whole armor of God. And then we have talked about all these things in these past weeks. We've talked about the fact that we have fastened on the belt of truth, that we've put on the breastplate of righteousness, that for shoes for our feet, we've put on the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Two weeks ago, we talked about taking up the shield of faith. Last week, we talked about putting on the helmet of salvation that protects our minds. And until now, 
every piece of God's armor has been defensive. In other words, everything that we just talked about just this moment has been armor that protects us from the enemy's attacks. It's defensive armor. But now I want you to see what comes next. The last half of Ephesians 6.17 says, And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And here's what I want you to realize this morning. After talking about all of these defensive armor pieces, Paul now tells us to take up a weapon of destruction. A weapon of destruction. He tells us to take a sword, a weapon that is designed to maim or to kill. And here's what you need to know. God arms you with this weapon that is guaranteed to destroy your enemy. It's really good news. The sword that Paul is talking about is a lethal weapon. You might be aware that the Bible that we read uh, every Sunday morning is an English translation. In the New Testament, the the original text is written in the Greek language. And so quite often I, I want to take a look at what Greek words mean because there's sometimes a little disconnect between English words and Greek words. And this is the case here when we're talking about the sword. The word that Paul uses in Ephesians 6 for sword is the Greek word gladius. And it's an interesting word because it's not a spear or a broadsword like you think of like in the movies. Like if you think about Princess Bride and they're all fighting with these big long swords and jumping on steps and pillars and whatever, you know, that kind of a thing. That's not the sword that Paul is talking about. He's talking about a shorter sword, a cut and thrust kind of sword that has two edges. And we have a connector that uh, was here first service and he went home and got this. This is actually... uh, very similar to the sword that Paul would be talking about this morning. About this side, it would be very well sharpened on both blades. This one isn't, or I would have sliced my fingers off just now. Uh, But about this size, and and its it's design was to cut and thrust, twist. You You would do huge, serious damage to your enemy using a sword like this. And what Paul is describing here is that when you are armed with the sword of the Spirit, which he says is the word of God, you will destroy your enemy. It's a lethal weapon of of destruction. In another place in the New Testament, Paul writes this, 2 Corinthians 10. He says, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. There again, he's underscoring the fact that the enemy is not human. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. Divine power to destroy strongholds. And that word stronghold, what Paul is describing is like a fortress. And what we learn from this verse really is he's he's using a metaphor here because when the devil comes into our lives... What he likes to do is he likes to build up like fortresses or strongholds or or some sort of defensive things within our spirits. And and we might call those things uh, weaknesses or or habits or addictions or whatever it is that you give in easily to when the enemy comes to you. That's described as a stronghold. And what Paul is saying is that our weapons, 
the sword of the spirit, the word of God, our weapons have the divine power to destroy those strongholds that seem to have taken root in your spirit. That's the power of your spiritual weapon. And so when he says to take the sword of the spirit, the word of God, there's two things that I want us to unpack today. I want to talk about the word of God and I want to talk about of the spirit and how those two things work together to destroy the strongholds of the devil. And if you're taking notes today, here's our big idea. You can write this in the box there on your notes. This is what I hope you'll remember when you leave here today. When I speak what God speaks, the devil is destroyed. That's what we're talking about. When I speak what God speaks, the devil is destroyed. That's the power of the sword of the Spirit. So let's talk about how the sword destroys the devil. From this verse, there's two elements that I want to talk about. The sword destroys the devil when, number one, when I speak the word of God. When I speak the word of God. Now again, Paul said, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. I want to talk about that word, word. In the Greek language, there's two common words that you'll find in the Bible that are translated into English word. And the first one is logos, L-O-G-O-S. And logos is a broad term. It means any kind of a word. It could mean a written word. It could mean a word that, that forms itself in your mind. It could mean a spoken word. It could be a word that you hear. It's just a general term like the English word Word means lots of things. John chapter 1 says Jesus is the word made flesh. So even, a, even Jesus was called a word, a logos. But here in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul uses a different term. It's a very specific term. And that Greek word is the word rhema, R-H-E-M-A, rhema. And this is a very specific word and it means specifically a spoken word. Logos is a big general word. Rhema means only words that are spoken, that are vocalized out loud. And this word, rhema, is used in another very significant place in the Bible. It's used in Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus is battling the devil in the wilderness. And in Matthew chapter 4, what we read is that Jesus has been led by the Spirit out into the wilderness, and he's been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And uh, that, that's a long period of time to go without food. And so he's very physically weak, and Matthew tells us that uh, at the end of that fasting period, the devil came to tempt Jesus. And I'm going to pick up reading at verse 3. It says, During that time the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God... Jesus, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. And the devil was tempting Jesus to misuse his power to satisfy his natural cravings. Uh, I, could, I could teach a whole message just on this one verse, but we're not going to go there. But, but the devil was tempting Jesus. And I want you to see what Jesus said in verse 4. Jesus told him, no. The scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word 
that comes from the mouth of God. And when Jesus said by every word, he used that Greek word rhema. Jesus said, people do not live by bread alone, but by every rhema, every spoken word that comes from the mouth of God. And what's interesting about this verse is that Jesus was actually quoting an Old Testament passage that's found in Deuteronomy 8.3. You might even want to later on go back and look at this because this is a fascinating study. Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy 8.3 and in that verse, if you were to go back in your Bible and look that up, what you're going to find is that that verse doesn't say everything that proceeds, doesn't say the word that proceeds from the mouth of God. It says everything that proceeds from the mouth of God. People don't live by bread alone but by everything that proceeds from the mouth of God. But Jesus deliberately changed what that verse says. And he changed the word everything to rhema. And why do you think Jesus did that? Well, I think Jesus was was sending a very specific message. He wanted you and I to know that the rhema, the spoken word of God, has divine power to demolish strongholds. The, the, the spoken word of God has the power to destroy the enemy. Because when I speak what God speaks, the devil is destroyed. And that's precisely how Jesus battled the devil. You can take a look at it throughout the Gospels. Whenever he was battling the devil, he spoke out loud the word of God. So if we're going to battle the devil and we're going to use the sword of the spirit, which is the rhema of God, what words do I speak? Well, if we're going to follow the example of Jesus, we're going we're to speak the words that are found in the scripture, in, in, in your Bible. This is one of the reasons why I love for you to turn in your Bible. I want you to know this book. And so uh, on Sundays, when I ask you to turn in your Bible, I'm, I'm just subliminally trying to get you to understand this book needs to be known. You need to know what's in this book. Jesus battled the the devil usually by speaking scripture from the Old Testament. And, And we can follow his example and speak scripture back to the devil and that will destroy his work in our lives. You can speak the words of Jesus. If, if you've gotten to know Jesus through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's one, one uh, part of the Bible that you can use to battle the enemy. You can use uh, some of the great verses from the writings of the apostles in the New Testament. Really, any part of the Bible is powerful to be spoken in spiritual battle. But it doesn't even have to be direct quotations from this book. Many times the Holy Spirit just brings... Uh, Uh, important words to our mind that we can use to oppose the devil. And when the Holy Spirit brings those words to mind, even if they're not direct quotes, they can be effective in dispelling the work of the devil in our lives. When I speak what God speaks, the devil is destroyed. Here's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 10. He said, look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Do you ever feel like the devil's just beating you up? Okay, here's a verse you can speak back to him. Jesus said, look, I have given you, I've given Russ, I've given Chris, I've given Kathy all the authority over the power of the enemy. You have the authority to destroy 
the devil's work in your life. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We demolish arguments. Every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. When I speak what God speaks, the devil is destroyed. Let me tell you how this works in my life. And this is something that happens with me quite often. One of my favorite verses from the Bible is Romans 8.11. And I've shared this with you many times. Romans 8.11. Let me read it to you. It says this. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Now, I've memorized that verse, and I've internalized that verse. And when I'm having a spiritual struggle, it can be anything. It can be temptation. It can be old habits that want to resurface. It can be discouragement. It can be depression. Uh, somebody might say something mean to me, and I, and I get all worked up. And, and I come back to this verse quite often, and what happens is, is something like this. I start having an out loud conversation between me and my spiritual enemy. And I'll use this verse. I'll say something like this. You know what? The Spirit of God lives in me. Romans 8, 11. Spirit of God lives in me. And that Spirit that lives in me is the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And so because of the power of the resurrection that lives in me, I don't have to give in to whatever it is the devil is throwing at me. Okay? I don't even really like talking to him. This is usually just talking do you know what I mean uh but I I start going to this verse and, and I I'm just speaking out loud the word of God and you know what happens the devil is destroyed because when I speak what God speaks the devil is destroyed so that's how that works for me the devil is destroyed when I speak God's word number two on your outline is this The sword destroys the devil when the spirit prompts my words. This is the second part of Ephesians 6, 17 that's very important. The devil is destroyed when the spirit prompts my words. Paul said that it is the sword of the spirit. In other words, there is a very important relationship between the sword, the word of God, and the the spirit. And what that means is that when I am in a spiritual battle, when I am engaging with the devil, I need the Holy Spirit to tell me what words to speak. Isaiah 49.2 is a wonderful verse, powerful verse, that says, He, the Spirit of God, made my mouth like a sharp sword. This is the prophet Isaiah speaking. He was He was a prophet that spoke God's words and he was aware that his words, because of the the, the power of the spirit, his words were like a sword. They had the spiritual ability to slay the enemy. Reminds me of Hebrews 4.12, another great verse from the New Testament that says the word of God is alive and powerful. You see, there's a lot of people that think this book is just an old, dead book of fairy tales and myths. But what this book claims to be is something different. It's not just a collection of pages, but this book, it claims in Hebrews, is alive 
and powerful. Goes on to say this. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. And that's because the Holy Spirit, when, when he brings the words of Scripture to our mind, it becomes living, it becomes active, it has spiritual force. And when I speak what God speaks, the devil is destroyed. Uh, when I was studying this this week, it, it brought to mind an experience that Jess had uh, a couple of months ago, I think it was. Jess is, is running sound for us this morning. And uh, was it on a Sunday morning, Jess, that you came to me and, and you just had that dream the night before? Am I remembering that correctly? Uh, and Jess showed up to church one morning. I'll, I'll never forget it. And she was just visibly shaken. She was so upset. And, and she came to me and Chris and she said, I had a terrible night. I fought the devil all night long. And she said in the middle of the night, she woke up and she could see the devil manifesting himself at the foot of her bed. And she was terrified, like I think most of us would be. I said, Jess, what did you do? And she said, I, I, I knew I had to pray, but only one word would come to my mind. I said, what was the word? She said, it was the word Jesus. And as I was talking with her this morning about it, she reminded me, she said the word Jesus three times, and whatever that spirit was vanished after she said Jesus just three times. Well, that's the power not of the word, it's the power of the spirit telling her how to battle her spiritual enemy. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit brought that word to mind. In fact, we showed that video earlier, Just Say Jesus. You've probably heard that song on the radio if you listen to Christian radio. And and Just was saying that that song probably prompted her to just say Jesus when she was in that spiritual battle. And here's one of the things that I think is so, so beneficial to us because lots of us in this room are new to this whole journey of faith thing. And, and you haven't taken the time yet in your life to, to learn this whole book. And, and man, I mean, this is a really long book, right? How do I know all this stuff? How do, how do I use this to fight the devil? Uh, well, well, here's the deal. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. And you might not know everything in here, but when you're in a battle, you know what? Because it's the sword of the Spirit, he's going to give you words that are going to help battle the devil in your life. It's just a matter of being ready to listen and being willing to speak out the rhema of God. Because when you speak what God speaks, the devil is destroyed. And I'm not talking about some kind of incantation or magic spell. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about some kind of method for manipulating God and getting what you want from God. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the spiritual authority that God gives you to speak his word and destroy the work of the devil in your life. All you need to know is that the Holy Spirit will give you the words and when you speak them out, the devil has to flee. There's a really powerful video clip that I want to share with you. Just a couple of minutes. And it's from the movie War Room. Many of you have seen this movie. And what I love about this clip is it shows somebody engaging in just exactly what I'm talking about. Telling the devil exactly what is true and destroying his work in her life. Take a look at this. I don't know where you are, devil. But I know you can hear me. 
you have played with my mind and had your way long enough. No more. You are done. Jesus is the Lord of this house. And that means there's no place for you here anymore. So take your lies, your schemes, and your accusations and get out in Jesus' name. You can't have my marriage. You can't have my daughter. And you sure can't have my man. This house is under new management. And that means you are out. And another thing. I am so sick of you stealing my joy. But that's changing too. My joy doesn't come from my friends. It doesn't come from my job. It doesn't even come from my husband. My joy is found in Jesus. And just in case you forgot, he has already defeated you. So go back to hell where you belong and leave my family alone. Isn't that good? And what I want you to see is she's not quoting verses verbatim. But she's telling the devil exactly what is true from the scripture. Jesus has already defeated the devil. She just speaks it out loud. It's biblical truth. And she's being inspired by the Holy Spirit. And, and when she speaks what God speaks, the devil is destroyed. And, and if you haven't seen that movie, it's really worth watching. So the next time, friends, your emotions go all wonky and you're tempted to rage against your husband because... You didn't replace the toilet roll. Or you're tempted to rage against that guy that just rear-ended you. Or you're tempted to rage against your boss because he's a jerk. Whatever. Next time your emotions go all wonky, I want you to remember that God gives you a powerful weapon of destruction. But it's not a weapon to be used against people. It's a weapon to put your enemy to flight, your spiritual enemy, the devil. So when the rage comes, use God's words and let the Holy Spirit guide you. So let me wrap it up this way. What do we do? I want to give you a couple of action steps. Just two. And I hope you'll remember this next time you're in one of those crises when you just want to unload on somebody. Number one is this. Fight the spiritual enemy instead of the human enemy. So important to remember, the battle is not against flesh and blood. We can destroy people with our words. How many of you know that's true? How many of you have been hurt by somebody's words? Okay. How many of you have hurt somebody because of something cruel you've said? Okay. The power of life and death, the Bible says, is in the tongue. I can shred you with my words. It's not what God wants me to do. He wants me to shred the devil with my words. So 
fight the right enemy is number one. And then number two, speak the rhema of God. Speak the word of God. And now this is hard. Can I just be honest with you for a second? This is hard stuff. And for me, it it took a long period of time. And it took some people helping me to really get, get through to this. When I realized that I hated my dad, that I just had this rage directed at my dad, I realized that the rage was bigger than me. And the battle was too difficult for me. So I, I had a mentor that helped me learn spiritual principles and spiritual warfare principles and spiritual discipleship principles. I went to see a counselor for a period of time because my emotions were just all over the place and I realized I needed some professional help to get, get my brain fixed, okay? And let me just encourage you as well that, that if, if the rage is bigger than you or the battle is harder than you, don't fight it alone. Find a small group, find a prayer partner, find a mentor, find a counselor, but don't do the battle alone. You might need some help. You know what happened to me? I was living in Seattle in those days and, uh, and I started seeing a counselor and after a couple of years I realized I needed to cultivate a relationship with my dad. And the Lord orchestrated the events of my life in such a way that literally one month I couldn't pay the rent and, and so I let my apartment go and I moved back into my parents' basement. I was nearly 30 years old. It was so humiliating. But it wasn't just about not being able to pay the rent. I knew it was the right thing to do because I needed to repair my relationship with my dad. And I lived in the same town as my dad for 16 years. And step by step, little by little, that relationship has been completely, completely healed. I have to tell you today, I love my dad about as much as a son can love his dad. My dad is 79 years old. He's still as smart as a whip. And uh, he's a great man. Whenever I need something, I call my dad. Who would have thunk I would need a dad when I'm 53? I'm so glad that I didn't let my rage ruin a relationship that today is so valuable. So let me just throw that out to you. A little bit of hope. Don't let rage at a human being destroy your life. Fight the right battle and speak God's words. When I speak what God speaks, the devil is destroyed. Good stuff? All right. Put your things aside and bow your heads with me. Let's pray, shall we? We're going to share in communion in just a couple of minutes. And those of you that are going to serve, if you want to find your ways back to the, to the counter back there, that'd be great. The rest of us, let's pray together. Jesus, I'm so thankful that we don't fight this battle alone. You're fighting with us. Jesus, you fought for us. When you hung on the cross, you took the battle onto yourself. And you died and and, and the Bible teaches that you engaged the enemy and you triumphed over sin. You triumphed over hell. You triumphed over death itself. And because of your spiritual victory, Jesus, we can stand strong in in the battle. And so today, Jesus, we just ask for your help. I pray, Jesus, that those of us that are struggling with rage, 
Those of us that are struggling with temptation, with addiction, with, with the, with the uh, discouragement that comes when the enemy just speaks and whispers lies to us. Lord, all those scenarios. I want to pray today, Jesus, that you will help us to overcome by the power of the word of God and by the power of the spirit at work in our lives. And I thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. All right, we're going to be served communion in just a second. And just before we pass the trays, uh, let me just say this. Here at Connect Church, we practice open communion, which means if you're a guest with us today, we would be honored if you would uh, worship the Lord with us in this way. Uh, Communion is a beautiful, ancient ritual that we celebrate. It goes clear back to the Last Supper that Jesus celebrated with his disciples and we're, we're celebrating his death and resurrection and looking forward to his soon return. And uh, even if you're not a member here at Connect, we invite you to partake with us. Uh, just take a cup, take a piece of the broken bread and hang on to it until everybody's been served. And then we'll all eat and drink together. And the band's going to lead us in a beautiful worship song as we're served. So go ahead and sing along with them. Would you stand with me? Lord Jesus, this broken bread that we hold in our hands today, it serves to remind us, Jesus, of when you took that bread with your disciples and you broke it and you said to them, this is my broken body, which is given for you. And Jesus, I I remember that your body was broken so that I could be made whole. I know that I am broken. Sin has broken me. But Jesus, your body was broken so that I could be put back together again. And Jesus, today as we eat this bread together, I want to pray for every one of us in this room. Jesus, will you heal us? Will you heal the broken places? And Jesus, just Put the pieces back together again. And we thank you and we worship you and we love you, Jesus. Let's eat together. And this cup, Jesus, when you passed it to your disciples, you said, this is the new covenant in my blood. A new agreement And we understand, Jesus, that because your blood was shed, we won't have to pay the death penalty for sin. You've made a way for us to be reconnected to God. And Jesus, today, for any sin that exists in my life or the lives of the people in this room, Jesus, will you just wash us clean today? Wash us clean. Every sin, every mistake, every rebellion, Jesus, will you wash it away? And we trust today that you will will transform us from the inside out. We ask you to bless this cup as we drink it. In Jesus' name, let's drink together. And we're going to sing one more song and then we'll let you go. I hope you have a wonderful Independence Day holiday tomorrow. Pray for our country, celebrate our country. And uh, remember that freedom comes from Jesus, nobody else. That's where our freedom comes from, all right? So have a great weekend, everybody.